Welcome back, everyone, to Common Sense Choices, and I'm Linda Tufan. Well, hello and welcome. If this is your very first episode, pull up a chair and enjoy the show. If you're driving and you're listening to this episode on Apple or Spotify, you might want to watch it when you get home, just simply because it's a visual. We're in the middle of a cooking series starting the year 2023. It's kind of hard to say that, isn't it? 2023. I mean, that seems like, whoo, I can't believe it. But anyway, if you are part of my audience that's been with me all 33 episodes, Thank you. Thank you. Because it is because of each and every one of you that our episodes are so successful. And I appreciate you. Every week we have a drawing and that drawing is for someone who has shared this episode or commented on the episode. Most of the comments you will find on Common Sense Choices, Linda Tupin, which is a Facebook page, and also on my YouTube channel, Linda Tupin Common Sense Choices. And this week, drum roll please, our winner is... What is our winner? Oh, Deline, Deline Anderson. Deline shared the episode with her Facebook friend. So thank you, Deline. And you're going to get a wonderful gift from my store. Well, for those of you who this is a brand new episode for you or an experience for you, my entire podcast is based on my mantra that built my career for over 40 decades. And that mantra is on a seven foot piece of art in my living room. So today is a little weird because you're looking at me and the background is my kitchen. Usually it's flipped. I'm looking into the kitchen, but normally what you would see is this. You would see my living room and over there by my fireplace is a seven foot piece of art with our mantra on it. So let's say it together with conviction. I am where I am by the choices I have made or I have allowed others to make for me. Okay, deep cleansing breath in. I am where I am by the choices I've made or I've allowed others to make for me. It's all about personal responsibility. And in these 33 episodes, we've talked about mental health, physical health. We've talked about how to pack for a two-week vacation in one carry-on, which was like a miracle. Uh, school choice, school board meetings. Oh my goodness, we've talked about everything under the sun. And and it's all about personal responsibility. When I started my podcast a little over a year ago, I wanted to bring into your life all the incredible people that made my life beautiful. And today is no exception. I can hardly wait for you to meet our guest speaker. But before we get into the episodes, let's talk a little bit about the fact that you're going to be making 35 thousand choices today. That's what they say is the average number of choices that you make. 35,000. No wonder you're tired when you go to bed. And most of those may seem insignificant, but they do accumulate. And how they accumulate and how often they accumulate determines obviously the direction of your life. So thank you for clicking play. That was a choice. Thank you for continuing to listen. That's another choice. Thank you for sharing and commenting. That's another choice. And all of those enrich my life and yours. So thank you so very, very much. Well, let's talk a little bit about how you can receive these episodes. I've already mentioned Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook. But the very best way is to head over to my website, lindatupin.com. That's T as in Tom, O-U-P as in Peter, I-N. I've only said that 5 million times in my life. lindatupin.com over there, you're going to find a sign-up button. And guess what? It's like a concierge service. I'm going to think about you every week when we 
release a new episode and it'll just magically come into your inbox. You won't even have to think about me. I'll think about you. I kind of like that, don't you? Anyway, now you're saying, but Linda, I signed up, but I, I don't get the episodes. Go to your inbox and do a search on Linda Tupin's name. I promise you I'm there. Might be in junk, might be in spam on Gmail. I might be under promotions. And guys, it was a two-step system. You had to affirm and confirm that you wanted to receive my email. So that might be the email that you find where it's just like, oh, I missed that step. Okay, well, before we meet our guest speaker, I want to give a shout out today to our two sponsors. Again, I only bring you people that have changed my life. I've had people reach out to me and say, I'd love to sponsor your show, but I've never used their product. And I can't speak for them. I, I don't know if it's a good quality or something I'd recommend. But these two people I can vouch for. First of all, Curtis J. Hanna, been in my life over 20 years. Why do you need him? Anytime you wanna throw your phone or your computer around uh, off your desk, that's when you contact Curtis.Pink. That's his website, Curtis.Pink. And he'll actually come into the, the device with you in it. <laughs> and he'll show you what you're doing wrong and what needs to be fixed. And he's a patient, kind teacher. Now, when you sign up, the first 10 minutes is free, but I need for you to, when you fill out the form, it says, how'd you hear about me? Remember my face. <laughs> okay, remember my face because I sent you there. Okay, all right. So he helps me with a lot of my podcast and we kind of do a little bartering. Don't you just love to barter with people? All right, and the second person is no stranger to this podcast. She's made three guest appearances in the past year. Sure, she'll be on here pretty soon in the, the spring or summer. And it is my personal integrative doctor, Dr. Lena Edwards. You can find her at drlenaedwards.com. And I did figure out the other day, I was cleaning out a tub in my basement. I found all my original uh, lab results. The first time I ever went to her, because I kept thinking, how long have I worked with Dr. Edwards? 2008. So what is that? 15 years? She has been responsible for my good health. She is a medical detective and she does not leave one stone unturned. And I remember the first time I went to see her and she ordered 13 vials of blood. And I went to lab court and they said, are you going to the Mayo Clinic? And I said, no, I'm going to Dr. Edwards. Anyway, we just had my yearly appointment. I just love and adore this woman. And I do whatever she tells me it is that I need to be doing to keep my health optimal. Well, she mainly specializes in female hormone and stress-related issues. So let me say those words to you again, female hormone and stress-related issues, which pretty much covers everything that's wrong with you, okay? We learn, we learn from several episodes that I've had on here. Your gut is responsible for your brain, okay? And, and everything is connected and it's all hormone and stress-related and having a healthy gut. Well, as she began to work with women in these areas, she began to prescribe various supplements. I mean, still to this day, I do not take a pharmaceutical drug. I only take supplements. And so she began to prescribe different supplements and she realized she could just make her own and kind of combine them. And so the product I want to tell you about today is Adrena Thim, spell it for you, A-D-R-E-N-A, F-E-M, that's for women. There's one for men. Now, you can go online. You can look at all the ingredients that are in it. Many of them you're going to be very familiar with. And um, you will be able on your first bottle to get a $5 discount by using the code gift for me. You'll see it up on the screen. It's all caps. It's all one word. And you're using the number four gift for me. You'll get a $5 discount on your first bottle. Now, a lot of you are on your 22nd bottle. Okay. 
every time you reorder, if you leave a testimonial, I love going over to the website and the website is adrenalogic.com, A-D-R-E-N-A-L-O-G-I-X.com. And you can read all the great testimonials over there. And every time you leave a testimonial, you get 15% off that bottle. Now, everybody reacts differently. You'll see it in the testimonials. To be quite honest, when I was thinking about doing this, I was like, well, I don't take it. So I need to take it. And I didn't really think I had hormone female stress-related issues because she takes care of me. Was that ever wrong? Immediately, the fog cleared. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but when you get older, you get a little foggy. So I take one in the morning just to clear the fog. And then I take one in the afternoon for a little burst of energy. Now that's two of the effects it has on my body. Your body's going to be different than my body. So you're going to have to take it to see how it affects you. But I did notice, and I hadn't put two and two together when I was having my uh, appointment this past month, I said, man, my sleep has been so great this year. Like I don't even remember hitting the pillow and I wake up in the exact same position. And I thought, what did I change? I changed this the only thing that changed. So those are the three, three ways it has helped me. Check it out at adrenalogic, A-D-R-E-N-A-L-O-G-I-X.com. All right, there we go. All righty, you guys, I hope you love all my announcements. I hope you're already over at lindatufin.com doing some shopping. Make sure your order's over 25 and I get to go into the shipping business this week. Well, when I started the podcast, I told you I'm only going to bring people in here that changed my life. And that I think will have great value to you. And when we did the cooking series, you've seen the great cooking series. They've been highly watched. It's been incredible. I think we've got between both of them about 6,000 views just on Facebook on those two episodes. People are very interested in this topic. And so I'm going to flat out tell you, today is about me. It's about me. <laughs> I'm bringing this wonderful, incredible woman to you because I need help. Now, the story is that uh, from 1976 to 86, I was a home ec teacher, all right? I was a home ec teacher, middle school, high school, interpersonal relations, housing, home management, foods, clothing, all the typical things you would find in a home ec classroom. And every single year, okay, in the spring, in the sophomore class, there was a foods book. And every single spring, we chat, we would skip skip chapter 29. Why would we skip chapter 29? Because Linda Tupin, the teacher could not make a pie crust. And that was the name of the chapter. It was on pie crust. I thought I cannot teach what I do not know. And I cannot go where I cannot do. And I was like, it makes me crazy that I still now today can't make a decent pie crust. And so I apologize to every child who ever went to New Washington Middle School and High School that you have grown up not knowing how to make a pie crust unless your mama taught you because your teacher did not know how to do it. So my deepest apologies. So anyway, fast forward many years, I think she'll have to correct me. I think it's been close to 25, maybe 30 years that I have known the beautiful woman that you're about to meet. Incredible woman, incredible work ethic, met her as a teenager, Cracker Barrel, Columbus, Indiana, maybe Seymour, Indiana. She'll have to correct me. You know, turning points are a time when you remember what you're wearing and where you're sitting and what you're doing. And my life turned the day I met the beautiful woman you're going to meet. 
She was exceptional. She was starting her own in-home business that I was doing and she wanted to do what I was doing. And so I sat down with this young woman. She wrote me a very large check for a full store of inventory that day to start her own company. And that's not normal for 19 year olds because her work ethic was off the chart. And she was already a strong entrepreneur before I met her at a tender age. But today she has the gift I don't have. Now she has lots of of gifts I don't have, but this one I want to know about. (laughs) So would you please bring to the screen, hang on, I'm going to ask her to unmute. Would you please bring, would you please welcome with a huge round of applause, my good friend, Chatty Gelfius. Hey girl. (laughs) Oh my gosh, girl. I am so excited that you are here with me today. Mm, I'm excited to be here. Well, you are, you're not in Columbus. Where are you exactly? I'm in Hartsville, Indiana, but it's right next to, in between Columbus and Greensburg. And you are right. January 13th uh, was 20, my 25 year anniversary in Mary Kay. Really? I didn't remember. I didn't remember I met you in January. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. Okay. So when I met you, you had not even met your husband then, right? You were engaged to somebody else. I remember correctly. I was. I was. (laughs) We won't go down that path. No. (laughs) And then you met Justin and Mm -hmm. Justin uh, is a farmer's son. And you all have very large operation there in central Indiana. If you've ever traveled through Indiana, you see thousands and thousands of acres of very productive farmland. And many of those belong to you and your family. And so you met Justin, got married and had babies. So let's talk a little bit about your family. Introduce your family to us, Chatney. So I am married to Justin. At the time that you met Justin, he was an engineer, worked for Cummins Engine Company. He is a third generation farmer now. His dad mentioned how many years he thought he had left uh, farming, and that was 14 years ago, and no, 16 years ago, that his dad really just kind of wanted to start slowing down in about five years, but we wouldn't know what to do if his dad slowed down. So it's just a, it's a large operation, so I'm so glad that he is full-time and has not retired yet, and Justin just felt like five years, if he quit that day and retired from Cummins, wasn't going to be enough to know what he needed to know. So uh, we had one more baby with great insurance we didn't have to pay for. And then he retired uh, from being a mechanical engineer and technology major. And he went into farm full time with his family. And we farm about 4,500 acres um, in surrounding counties, uh, some that we own, some that we rent from landowners. And we farm whatever one in Indiana farms, corn, wheat and beans. Um, And then we also have um, a big hog operation. We're a wean to finish operation and have about 8,000 hogs. Um, We have four kids and they range in age from 18 to 10. Um, Crew, Ledger, and Grain are our boys. They're 18, 16, and 10. They're in fourth grade, sophomore, and senior. And then we have a freshman uh, daughter named Charleston. I, it seems impossible to me because I remember when all of them were born. And I think that was yesterday. I mean, seriously, Chatney, this year, I started getting like graduation announcements from people that I swore were still in the first grade. I thought, how is this even humanly possible? Right. <laughs> right. 
Now, you know, I think you bring a, a very interesting dynamic here to my audience today, and one that I maybe will pursue more with you and Justin together in a future podcast, because everybody wants to be healthy and everybody wants to, you know, grow their own food and they all want to do all of these things, which all sounds really, really good, but they really have no concept what it really takes to do all those steps. And I so greatly admire people who do live like that, but it does consume their life. And I think we all need an enormous appreciation for the people who do feed us. And it is people like you and Justin that feed the world and feeding the world is very different than just feeding your family. And so we maybe we'll talk about that. I thought Justin also did tomatoes for. Uh, we retired last year from tomatoes. It may be something that we pick up again, but we did up until last year farm for a cannery, red gold tomatoes, which is basically a Midwestern and California tomato. So we did that until last year. Right. So anyway, so the next time that you guys are eating, uh, you can thank someone like Chatney and Justin for feeding you <laughs> because that's what they do. Now you all live on a farm. You all, you told me this morning, 18 acres. I've been to your beautiful home. Um, and so how long have you all lived there? We have lived here, which is about a mile away from the homestead, where is the central kind of hub for the farm where my mother and father-in-law live. We live a mile from there. So we live on 18 acres um, and we don't farm on this property because it's kind of too small to mess with. But um, we have lived here for a dozen years. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That is awesome. And, you know, just I mean, a whole nother topic is just the benefit of children growing up farming, you know, right. and, and, and seeing what it truly takes. Because you were saying to me, I think this morning before we were on here, you know, if you ask the average person, where does your food come from? They'll say the grocery store. They really don't have any concept unless their parents or the school system took them to the dairy or to the hog operation or to the farmer to really see where it all comes from. But today it's all about me. So today... It's because you know how to make a great pie and Linda Tupin doesn't know how to make a great pie. So how did you become such a very good pie maker and cook? Well, I still am not as great of a pie maker as my mother-in-law, but my mother-in-law, uh, every, I mean, every meal I ever remember having when Justin and I dated um, included dessert. And part of that, I think, is just feeding the farmer. Um, she still feeds my father-in-law lunch and, and uh, Justin lunch and um, breakfast and dinner. And, you know, every Wednesday is Mimi night. And, you know, she takes all the kids. My mom has kids on a date night once a week um, and takes them all individually. And Norma takes them all at one time, um, one day a week. And so it's just worked out really awesome. But I always um, remember having dessert with every single meal. And that was just a foreign concept. Um, and she is like, I always remember her like getting a recipe out to cook, like off of a recipe, you know, I mean, off of, you know, trying out a new recipe or she's just, she's just a great cook. And my mom's a great cook as well. Um, I just don't remember as a kid having a dessert at every single meal, you know, and Justin's meals did. And I loved that. And, um, a lot of those were pies. And um, so she makes a, an awesome blackberry cobbler and an awesome cherry pie and peach pie and apple pie. And she makes 
the same pie crust makes chicken pot pie and she makes a phenomenal chicken pot pie. And all of those recipes she's given me, Justin, for a few years for Christmas, got a Justin's cookbook, which was my mother-in-law, every single recipe, because she would just, we would call her every single recipe. So she took all the time to write out every single one of her recipes that he had. And there's hundreds of recipes in a huge binder. And all of those pies are in there and the homemade pie crust. And several years ago, kind of what you're doing now, I did an event where I um, saw people's gifts. And I think her gift is, you know, definitely she has many, but is cooking and um, homemade things that not everyone knows how to make. And there's no shortcuts. Um, and so she came over and, and the very first class was her teaching a group of about a dozen women in my kitchen how to make a homemade pie crust. And we had a homemade pie crust competition. And the next week we all made a pie and we all brought it to share and to get voted on. And, um, so I have tried to, you know, it was important to me. I think there's a couple of things that, um, are going to, um, die with generations if we don't like figure them out. And I think one is homemade pie crust and one is homemade noodles. Right. And so it was just important to me. I still don't have the noodles down pat. Um, but you know, it was important to me to learn to make homemade pie crust and um, she taught us all and, and you know, it's just been something that I've continued to try to tweak and she makes a lot more pies than I do. So she should really be here telling you about them. But um, I definitely can take her recipe and teach you guys how Norma Gelfius makes homemade pie crust. Oh my gosh. Well, we can hardly wait. So what we're going to do is I'm going to get rid of me and make you full screen right now. And I want you just to walk us through how you make your pies. So, okay. All right, hang on a minute. Let me remove, I, I'm in charge of the technology now. <laughs> ah, there you are. Okay, good deal. Okay, so first of all, um, basically pies are very simple ingredients, right? You only need four ingredients. Um, you need white flour, salt, Crisco, and water, um, ice cold water, and that's it. And so I've already measured out the ingredients. Um, it's really just the technique that makes a great pie crust because you can get it too moist or too dry and then it doesn't roll out right. And so I'm gonna kind of show you just some tips that Norma has taught me. First of all, you need a really big bowl. So this is my really big bowl. Justin the other day said, you know, this has a tiny crack. I'm like, don't get rid of it, right? Justin gets rid of everything that is like broken in any way. And I'm like, no, 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 that is like the pie crust bowl. And I don't have a big one like this. And so I always do the pie crust in this. So you need a really big bowl um, and I can give you the recipe, but I always double the recipe because it's kind of, it's not hard to make pie crust. It's just, oh, it's, I don't like cleaning up all this stuff. So if I can make double the recipe or triple the recipe, I'd rather just get it all over with and rip off the bandaid and have one mess to clean up. And you can keep a pie crust um, in the freezer for my mother-in-law says three months. I've kept it a lot more than three months. Um, it never lasts three months at her house because she makes pie all the time. But um, at our house, I can get them to last. Um, I don't make very many pies. My family is actually thrilled that you asked me to do this because they're getting two pies today. They're like so excited. Okay, so the first thing you need is just five and a third cup of white flour. And that's it. And a big bowl, five and one third cup. And this According to my mother-in-law, will make four pie crusts. Now, my mother-in-law's pie crusts are a lot thicker than mine. I don't really like a thicker pie crust. 
So I can at least get six pie crust out of this. So I like a thinner um, crust. They're flaky no matter what. It's just a matter of preference. So this recipe will at least make four, but she always is cutting off the excess and just throwing it out. I really don't have very much excess because I make it at least six pie crust, okay? Um, next, you need two teaspoons of salt, which I've already measured out. Now, according to Jenny the other day, you make this little hole in the middle of your flour, which uh, <laughs> I guess I could do that, but I don't. Um, and so I just sprinkle the salt all, all over the flour and I already measured out two teaspoons of salt. And then you add two cups of Crisco, okay? So all I do is um, just kind of take the end of a knife and stir all of that around. And then I add Crisco and I add two cups of Crisco all at the same time. And then we're going to cut it into the flour mixture. Okay, this is the easiest way I think there is to deal with Crisco. I hate dealing with Crisco. So Pampered Chef makes this little ditty and you basically, one side, if I were to tip this over, you can actually measure, like this, this would push down and you can measure all your liquids in the cup and they have measurements, but you can measure all your dry solids like Crisco at the top. And so you just push this up and I've already shoved two cups of Crisco down in it. Um, and so you just literally push this out and it pushes out like a Play-Doh, right? Oh my gosh, Chatney, I am in love with this. I love Pampered yeah, Chef. So anyway. you literally like have a whole lump of Crisco, okay? So there's that. And then you get every bit of Crisco and you're not like, I know you make such a mess with your measuring cups. Like it, it gets everywhere. Yeah. Yes. So then you don't have to worry about that. So there's that. And then you have all the Crisco in there. Now I, um, you can, you can use different tools to cut the Crisco in. My mother-in-law gave me this little like fork. Um, what is it called? Uh, pastry fork, I think is what it's called, but it basically just has like five little, um, metal things and it cuts Crisco into, um, dry ingredients. And so all I do is literally, you just see like these lumps of Crisco laying in this and all you do is start meshing this. And so you're going to have this huge thing of Crisco on here and this is going to take a minute, but all you do is just keep working this Crisco in. And it is going to feel like there is no humanly possible way that all the flour that you see in this bowl is going to cut into this Crisco. So I remember thinking like the first time I made it, I called her and said, are you sure I only needed two cups of Crisco? And she's like, yes, just keep working it. Okay. And so you're going to have all these pieces that look like this. They are not, I mean, that's a really big chunk, right? But you want this, the texture of like feta cheese crumble. So when you're all done, and I'll show it to you when you're all done, but you're just literally working around the bowl and it probably is gonna take you three, four, five minutes to work everything around the bowl. And every now and then um, I will, you know, get all the Crisco off and then I'll start working it again. But, you know, but that's literally after you do this, we're almost done. What? You know, that's such a fun thing for kids to help you because my granddaughters yeah. are six and eight. And so every week they come over, we cook for the whole family and their favorite thing is working with flour, you know, whether right. we're making breads or biscuits or, or whatever. 
And this is such a fun thing for kids to do. And I, I think it's such an important part of parenting is the, the teaching and transferring of just basic skills. And, you know, if you're a, a mom and you're watching this and you're thinking, oh, my word, you know, I can't do it because, you know, Linda Tupin can't make pie crust. So clearly she's never taught her kids how to make pie crust. But there are people in your life that do know how to cook and putting them in their right. space and letting, you know, it's like you said, your mother-in-law comes and gets your kids. Like if you were not a cook and didn't want to cook, they could be learning to cook from your mother. Yeah. And several years ago, you got those little, um, you got little cooking recipe boxes for yeah. your grandkids. And right. my mother-in-law thought that was an awesome idea. So she did the same thing with all of her grandkids. And, um, you know, life gets busy and we don't have tons of recipes, but we have Justin's big cookbook. We can transfer them um, at some point. I'm curious about Justin's big cookbook because I've not liked my little recipe boxes. The, the cards are too yeah. small. And I thought, I just need a three-ring binder. I don't need to order anything fancy. I need a three-ring binder with the recipes that we use. Um, and sometimes we're just using a recipe offline. Okay, there you go. That's exactly what I need right yes. there. So it does have an index that's like four pages, four pages of index. Here. And put them all in alphabetical order. And so they're not like dessert and then this and then that like apple pie and, and so anything you go to look for it's just an alphabetical order and she put an index and so anytime we ask for a recipe that's not in there then we write it down we hand write it down and we stick it in a you know sheet protector and put it somewhere in alphabetical order and we write it in well see I think that's all my little girls need I, I came to this conclusion actually it's interesting you're even bringing this up because I came to this conclusion over Christmas because I thought we never use our recipe boxes because the cards are too small and I don't right. want to have to copy them on a card because we're usually just, just, you know, Xeroxing something and, and looking at it. So very cool. Very cool. Okay. I will, I will say though, um, you know, just a thought, I, my mother-in-law, this is all, you know, printed off at the computer and with the recipe boxes, I asked if she could handwrite it because I wanted them one day to see their grandmother's handwriting. Yeah. And, you know, we all remember Tara Gines and Tara Gines literally had like chicken soup written on her arm and a tattoo. And I said, what is that? And she said, it's my grandmother's handwriting from a recipe card. Oh, and so anyway, so it was, you know, really cool to think that thought. So I don't have a lot of things with my mother-in-law's handwriting on them. So I at least want a few of those things. Okay, so I almost have it. And I'll show it to you. I'm going to do a little bit more. But if you can see it, basically, if I were to pick it up, you can see it's almost like a little bit thicker than like Parmesan cheese, right? But it really looks like if you were to open feta crumbles and make an omelet, feta crumbles have big crumbles and they have tiny crumbles, but everything, nothing in here looks like flour anymore. So even when I pull things away from the side, um, and kind of just drag through. I'm just making sure I don't have anything that looks like white flour because that's going to not mix when I add this ice cold water. Okay. okay. So I just want to make sure I don't have any big pieces. I'm going to do one more, just like take this off. And when you're almost done, this kind of just all falls off. Like there's no more chunky Crisco left on this thing. It's not a big deal. Okay. So there's that. I'm done with this. Let me get rid of that. 
Okay, and now I'm gonna add ice cold water. So if you can see, basically it's just a whole bunch of that, right? And when I start to add ice cold water, it's just gonna totally change the texture and make it something that I can make a dough ball out of. Now, I will say, um, my mother-in-law always says, you might need a cup. You might need, need less than a cup. Recipes like that make me crazy. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. That just is room for me to mess it up. Like, do I need a cup or do I not need a cup? So um, I always have a cup and I always use the cup. Um, I would, you do not want to get it too wet. So I promise you that I've never, ever in all these pie crusts needed more than one cup. And there have been some times that I could have probably cut back and not done a whole cup. Um, but I just feel like eh, a cup is a cup. So anyway, so I um, am transferring it because I had ice in this because it needs to be ice cold. Now you don't want a chunk of ice in here, but I did put ice cubes in them and just had them melt. And um, sometimes I haven't put enough if I just measure the one cup in here. So now I have one cup of water. Now, uh, you do not want to just dump this cup in here. You want to drizzle. And so pretty much to start, because this is so dry, I'm going to use almost half, a little less than half. But I'm literally just going to kind of go around the perimeter and kind of just get the perimeter of this wet and then just put a little bit in the middle. And so I've used about half of a cup. And then, oh, I didn't have a fork. Just a second. I like, okay. your I like your basketball on the doorway behind your head. <laughs> yes. Okay, so now you just need, I have five of those in our house. It's like we have a basketball player. Okay, so now you just need a regular fork and you're just pulling the um, pie mixture in from the sides. That's all you're doing. It's just trying to make sure that the water that's in there and you don't ever really wanna put enough water that it's puddled in the bottom of the bowl, right? I've, I never see water really puddled in the bottom of the bowl. And so it's starting to take on a little bit of a different texture. And I'm starting to get pieces that form that look a little more like chunks of Crisco, right? This is gonna make it more the texture of like when you cook sausage or ground beef and you have chunks of meat, it's gonna be more like that texture. So now I, I don't have any more moisture. So I'm just gonna drizzle a little bit more ice cold water. And now I've put about two thirds of the water in and all I'm doing is just taking the fork and pulling it towards the middle and trying to get all the little teeny tiny pieces of crumble to mesh with a bigger piece. And so you can see it starts to be like chunks okay. of cool. crust. And it will all pull away. So the fork is really all you need. I used to get like a spatula out, but really once all the water is added, it really clings to a dough ball and you don't really need to try to pull it away from the sides. It's just gonna pull away from the sides. Okay, now I'm gonna add all the rest of the water, I'm gonna add almost all the rest of the water. I started to see a puddle at the bottom, so. Okay, now I'm gonna add the rest of the water to the middle. 
Okay. And now all I'm going to do is just make sure that all of that moisture hits some of this dough. And I could start to pick this up and it's like formed a big ball. Okay. I don't want anything to be too wet because the dough is too hard to work with. So you don't want it to be too wet, too dry. I promise you if you use this mixture in one cup and no more, do not add any more, um, then it will be perfect. You won't need to add a bunch of flour. Um, but sometimes I have, when I've not added the whole cup of water, I do feel like I need to add the rest of it. So You know, you know what this reminds me of, Chantney, as, as I watch you work, I think, this is this is why uh, probably I, I didn't make my crust is because this is a lot like teaching a woman how to do proper eye makeup. It's a matter of layers and layers and blending and blending and more blending and more blending right. and, and more layers instead of just swipe something on your eye and then like say, why does it look crappy? Right. Right. <laughs> it's the so same texture because I'm all done. You are and the texture. I can pick up any of these pieces, but there's lots of little pieces of, you know, and it's kind of all stuck together, but it all is pulled away from the side. Like if I pull it, you can see it just like pull away from the bottom. There's, there's no crumbles or there's no pieces of flour left in the bottom. Okay. And now you kind of just have the job of trying to evenly distribute six dough balls, right? So I usually just grab a handful. Now I know that that's hard because everyone's hands are different sizes, but I kind of just grab a ball that is about this big. And I just kind of try to, if I, if it is squeak, if I, when I make my hand and my fist and I clump it together, it's like perfect. If I can make the ball that my hands barely touch or my fingers barely touch. So that's how I make mine, but you're going to figure out with your size hand, what works for you. You do not want to like keep pressing it. It's not a meatball. Okay. So the more you work it, kind of the less flaky and the less, uh, the tougher the dough gets. And so you don't want to just have it in warm hands and keep working it and keep working it. I mean, as long as I can make a ball and it sticks together and I just do this a few times, then that's good. Okay. So I just, I do flatten it to be like a pie crust, but I don't do that until I see that I have six evenly distributed balls of dough. Like I said, I can get seven out of it, but for today, I told someone I was gonna make pie crust for them. They probably would like, they would probably not like it to be as wimpy as I get it. Okay. <laughs> they probably not like their pie crust that I promised I would make them for their pies to be stripped so thin. So I'm gonna make them a little bit thicker than I normally would, but um, you shouldn't see like, you shouldn't see cracks in the dough because then you just don't have enough water. You didn't use your whole cup. Um, it all is stuck together. And if you see it, it's basically all, you know, um, solid. So all I'm doing is evenly distributing the dough. And I'm going to make one more and then I'm just going to move this aside and I'll come back to it. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Now, do you always put a top layer on your pie crust? Do you, or do you just make a bottom crust or you do both? So um, I make a derby pie and that that is awesome. Actually, Charleston used the recipe for the 4-H fair and she got grand champion. So I make a derby pie that someone's mom in Louisville 
um, gave me the recipe for, and it has butterscotch in it, and it's amazing. And that's really the only pie I make that only has a bottom crust. Um, but everything else, I will make uh, a top for. And you can, there is a recipe for if you just want, for example, I don't make cold pies, but if you wanted to make a strawberry pie, there, you know, I can send you the recipe of my mother-in-law telling me how much I would bake the bottom pie for, because you're going to bake that, then let it cool, then put the strawberry in. But I've never made a cold pie or a key lime pie or anything like that. So, so the crust hey. is just gonna, the crust is just going to bake at the same time the filling. So you're not baking the the pie crust and adding anything to it. Right. You're just baking it at the exact same time. Okay. All right. That so was I kind of kind of noticed that one of these balls was a little bit um, smaller than the rest. So I added a little bit to it. And then this is my last ball. And I'll show you my bowl. I mean, there's nothing left, right? There's no crumble. There's no. Okay. So those are all of the dough balls. And as you can see, there's six. They're pretty even. And now I take a piece for the dough balls I am not using, I just take a piece of saran wrap and I sit the ball right in the middle of it. And then I just roll it like this and I twist it and tuck it under and twist it and tuck it under and I flatten it like a pie crust. So it should look like this. So when I freeze them, um, you can freeze them for three months. You can keep them in a refrigerator for three days. Um, I have forgotten that I, I have forgotten, like for some reason I have a thing about freezing things. I think it like doesn't taste as good once you freeze it and thaw it out. I think that with meats and chickens and, and everything. So I don't like to freeze it. So I, I always make a bunch and I'm like, oh, I made this pie today. In a couple of days, I'll come back and make another one. And one time I forgot a pie crust and it is like, I mean, if anyone's listening and they've ever like dumped breast milk, that's what it feels like to throw away a pie crust. It's like, oh. Um, so I've tried to use a pie crust that was in there like a week and it tastes okay, but it has a weird texture. It almost gets slimy, like a, a too too long leftover. And it and the Crisco starts to turn like a grayish color. It is still tastes decent, but it's not the same. So Really three days, I'm glad to hear you say, I'm not, people say to me all the time, I freeze my bread and I freeze their clothes. I'm like, I hate frozen stuff. It tastes frozen. frozen. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I have right. nothing frozen in my refrigerator. I think I have some ice cream over there. I just don't like frozen food. That's weird. Yeah. You're the only person I've ever heard verbalize what I think. <laughs> yes. I just, it, it changes it in my brain for me. I just think it tastes, I instantly already know it's not going to taste as good. Okay. So now I'm going to roll out the pie crust. Um, here is where my mother-in-law's brilliance like takes over because I often hear people and Linda, you said that one of the things you didn't like about making pie is trying to get a pie crust off of this counter. I mean, this is like a granite countertop but trying to get a pie crust to not stick to your counter, I don't it doesn't really, I have never, no matter how much flour I use, been able to do that. So my mother-in-law always uses trash bags. Now, I will say as a sidebar that if you're a person that thinks Febreze trash bags are awesome, you do not want to use a Febreze scented <laughs> trash bag for this because your pie crust will taste like lavender. 
And so it has to be plain, but she just gets a tall kitchen bag and she cuts down every side. So we're just gonna. Well, and I told, I told Chatney before this episode started, I said, when you told me about your mom doing this trash bag thing, I thought this is exactly when I decided I couldn't do a pie crust because I remember doing all of those steps and thinking, okay, I can do this, but I could never get the stinking thing off the counter. Yeah. I thought this is more trouble than it's worth. I'll just buy a frozen one. I know this was the step that tripped me. Right. And I know that they make those silicone, like I have silicone cookie sheets and things like that. And that's fine, but you can't transfer those beautifully to the pie pan. So this is super flexible and you can just transfer the pie crust straight to the pie pan. Okay, so now you'll have two pieces and you just separate the two pieces. Okay, I'm gonna set this one over here. Your countertop has to be wet. Not kind of wet, like wet. Um, it's not wet enough, just that. Okay, so don't wring out the washcloth too much. I've tried to do it when the countertop isn't wet enough and the trash bag doesn't really stick. Okay, so just preference, but I take the end of the trash bag and I attach that to the top, the farthest away from me, because I hold the other part with my belly. Okay, so I hold this part by like leaning up against it. And then this, I stretch it all out. It doesn't matter if you have texture to your bag or not, but uh, it does matter that you really try to get the wrinkles out because otherwise you have a pie crust that takes the shape of all these wrinkles in your plastic. So all I do is go and squeeze out all the water on this side and squeeze out all the water on this side. And that's it. And as long as you do that, like I would have to pull it off right now. Like it's not gonna slide around as long as you have enough water. Okay, and then I'm gonna take a little bit of flour and sprinkle it. This is amazing. Like this is like world renowned amazing. Like this is life shattering. Well, you can thank Norma Galpius. Okay. So, you know, we have little clips that we show of every episode. I think this will be a clip. <laughs> so um, I'm just gonna take one of my dough balls and I'm gonna stick it in the middle and I'm gonna kind of flatten it. So your pie crust is gonna look like right before they spin a pizza out, right? It's gonna be like this. And I just kind of flatten it and it's gonna start to crack just a little on the sides and I kind of just reshape it. Then I flip it over. And then I'm gonna take the second piece of plastic and I'm gonna lay it over it. And I can see through the plastic bag as to it staying in a complete circle, right? So I just kind of flatten it out a little. And then I take my rolling pin. And I do think you, I don't like rolling pins that don't roll loosely. So I do think you need a rolling pin that I don't like the ones that are just one solid thing. I, I don't know how to roll a pie crust out like that. I don't like ones that are super heavy, like a marble. I just think these are the best. So, um, but I had one that was really tight and it needs to roll loosely around there to get a good roll. So I'm just gonna take off and I'm gonna 
lightly. I'm not going to press really hard. I'm just lightly taking it in every direction and trying to keep it in a perfect circle. And I can see the perfect circle. And I just get same pressure and I just keep going around. And I'm just pushing out the whole time. This is amazing. I wonder when your mother-in-law figured this out. Well, her mom, my mother-in-law is one of 10. My mom is one of 12. So their mom's cooked a lot. So I'm assuming. Somebody figured, figured it out. out. But I don't know. I never asked her who taught her to make her pie crust. That's a good question. Or who taught her how to do this part? I mean, this is right. like, when did she learn that a trash bag was going to be a game changer? Right. No kidding. Like I've never seen anybody use a trash bag to do this, but it makes so much sense. Right. So now I basically peel the plastic back and you do have to be really careful to not take dough with you. So I pull the plastic back and then I basically redistribute dough. Okay, because the dough is not going to be in a perfect circle and I need it to kind of be in a perfect circle because I'm stingy with my pie crust. So in places that it's like too far in one direction, I just cut off a little piece and I like treat it like it's Play-Doh and I put it in the missing spots. Okay, so that way I pretty much can get it to roll out into more of a perfect circle and I don't waste any. Or if I see a spot that's really thin, um, I can do that. So now I can put my trash bag back on it and I can kind of just gently touch those down. And because I um, put them in a, in, where there's kind of a sliver or a hole, I back the, I back the roller up because it kind of brings it back into the pot, right? Right. Makes so I sense. kind of go the opposite direction to get all those little pieces of dough that I made work. And then I can go back one more time and just make sure it's all going to be in a perfect circle. And now there's no like little holes and I have much more of a circle to work with. So I don't know if you can see. Yes, we can see. Yeah, but it's a great little circle. And before you pull it all up, you need to take a pie pan and you just need to make sure that you have about one inch on every side of that pie pan because you're gonna need to account for this groove that comes up and you're gonna need just a little bit of space. You don't need a lot of space because the top pie crust, you can fold down into it. But that basically leaves me a little over one inch on every side. Um, I do not grease the bottom of the pie pan um, and it will all come out. So I never grease the bottom of the pot, pie pan. According to my mother-in-law, you're not supposed to do that. So um, now I just literally take this up and it will all stick like this. And I kind of just lay it over here, take my pie pan and I, to the best of my ability, try to get it even. And then when I see that kind of even on every side, it is easier to fold the pie 
crust down in there when the trash bag is on it than to try to do it with your hand after you've already taken the trash bag off. So I always kind of make sure that I am folding the pie in there with the trash bag on. That's amazing. And then after I do that, I just gently take the trash bag off. Look at that. Look at that. Oh my God. Go. So now I usually sit this over and I go ahead and roll out the second, the top, and then I do the filling and all that. So now I'm going to roll out the top and you're going to watch me do it one more time. Actually, if you don't want to do that part, if it's Perfect. exactly the same, we can skip that part. Okay. So um, I can tell you what you're going to do. All you're going to do is roll that out. If I have a smaller dough ball and I'm comparing them side by side, the smaller one needs to go on top because it's going to stay flat and you don't need as much. So when I'm, when I have two dough balls next to each other, I always take the bigger one to do the first dough ball. Right. Okay. So now I'm just going to take my mixture of cherries. Um, depending on what kind of pie you do depends on what your mixture of flour and sugar needs to be added to the fruit. So my mother-in-law only does peach, apple, blackberry, and cherry. Those are like her pies. My sister-in-law does a raspberry pie, um, but it really depends on your flour sugar mixture. It's almost the same for apple and peach, and apple and peach are also the only pies we add cinnamon to. And every time, it seems like, because I like everything to be extra, it seems like if you added more stuff, it would taste even better. But every time I try to add a little bit of vanilla or add a little bit of cinnamon, every one of my family is like, do you add something to this? Right? So the more I try to be extra, the, the worse it tastes. And so all I do for a cherry pie is add a third of a cup of flour and a heaping three quarter cup of sugar. You can add up to a cup of sugar, but I think it makes it a little too sweet. So three-fourths of a cup of sugar and a third of a cup of flour. And all you do is like dump it on the cherries. I always drain the cherries first of is all your, the fruit. Is your is your cherries frozen or are they canned or are they fresh? Yeah. So I get all of my fruit in a frozen bag. And we have like a 7K farms. But I'm sure that, you know, you guys have some access to frozen cherries or tart cherries or something. I have never tried to use cherries out of a can, nor would I. I just think they taste gross. So um, my cherries come frozen and I just go to like, uh, you know, uh, 7K farms that sells pie filling and things of that nature. But you've got something like that where you live probably, or you can order it online. Now, but these bags- Do you thaw them out? Um, we do not thaw them out. I literally- throw it on the floor all frozen and chunk it like ice. And then I dump half the bag. And I kind of just guess, I never like measure it with a scale or anything. Um, but these come in 80 ounce bags and every pie needs about 40 ounces of filling. So these are five pound bags and you need about two and a half pounds. And you can get, you know, especially like peaches. Peaches, I haven't ever found in this big of a bag and I just get peaches at all these. Um, and they have frozen peaches. Um, but I always get tart cherries. Um, they always have a blackberry and they always have great 
apples that are peeled. Um, and so uh, cherries tend to be really juicy. And so for a long time, my pie was kind of doughy on the bottom because even though I drained the cherries, it still was too much juice or they were still a little bit frozen. And um, once they thawed out, like once the any little bit of ice, you can't have ice on them when you go to put it in here because then when it thaws out in the oven, you're gonna have like this kind of soupy cherry juice on the bottom. And so you can kind of see my juice, but there's not a lot of juice. I've actually drained, I drained them once as cherries. I always just take a frozen bag and I put it in the microwave, the cherries all in the microwave, 40 ounces of cherries for like five to six minutes um, and make sure there's no ice and that there's no freezing cold ones, right? And then I have a ton of juice. I drain them with a strainer. Then I put them back in here and then I add the mixture of the flour and the sugar and I stir and you're going to get like this juicy, um, super sugary. Like if you were to taste it right away, it would just taste like pure sugar. And you can actually see the sugar when you first do it. And it seems like it's really thick, but after it sits, it just turns really wet and juicy again. And so after I usually heat it in the microwave for about a minute and a half to two minutes and it kind of you know, makes that sugar dissolve and it kind of sticks to the cherries better. And then I drain it one more time. So these cherries have actually been drained twice. Um, and then that's all the juice that's left. And it's, uh, it's going to be fine. You want some juice, but just not so much that, you know, it ruins your pie. Okay. So now I just start in the middle and I just dump the whole thing in there. And then I just kind of distribute it. And then um, you do need to take um, a couple tablespoons of butter and you're just gonna slice pieces of butter. So, wait just a second. Okay, so I'm just going to, right in the middle of my pie, slice five little slivers of butter that are like, you know, yay thick. Um, I'm just gonna slice like a star shape of butter and I'm gonna lay five chunks of butter. Not too much, but a couple tablespoons of butter. And that kind of makes the, I don't really know why that does, but my pie crust never like sticks to my pie and it's always bubbly underneath. And so then after that, I'm just going to lay the pie crust over top of it. And I'm going to cut I usually do it with scissors, but after that, I'm literally going to go, once there's a pie crust over top of it, I'm just going to cut all the way around so that there's like, you know, this much overhang. Then you literally just lay it over there and then you just tuck this down in here. And then you take a little bit of flour on your fingertip and you just press that together like by pinching. So I'm literally, after this top is on, I'm literally just going to take it and I'm going to have like, kind of a thick rim and I'm just going to take my finger and my thumb and my middle finger and I'm going to just pinch all the way around and close it and then I'm just going to take a knife and I'm going to make some slits on the top so the air can release and then I'll show you the finished product. This is awesome Chatney. This is absolutely awesome. So this is what your finished pie is going to look like. Oh my gosh, that looks absolutely delicious. Holy cow. So 
you're going to be able, um, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but eggs are expensive now. So um, I don't use an egg wash. Um, I use heavy cream. And so you just want to take a little bit of heavy cream and just like some kind of a brush like this. And then I just brush it over top. But the reason that this pie is glossy on the top is because of the heavy cream that I just painted on top. Um, another and, tip. Chantney, you've, the cream works as good as the egg wash? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. So the heavy cream, I think it's even prettier than egg wash. So, and I don't waste an egg. I'd rather use an egg somewhere else. So <laughs> two things that I think matter, I always put this um, over my pie. So one, um, your pie should have this sitting on it. I bake every pie at 400 degrees for one hour. Um, every time I think it's getting too brown and I take it out early, it doesn't taste done. So even at 50 minutes, sometimes it's like, oh, like this. I was like, mm, it's getting brown, right? But I just went ahead and left it in there for the full hour because every time I've ever pulled it out, even five to 10 minutes early, I don't like it. So 400 degrees um, for 45 minutes, I have this on the rim and it keeps your crust that you just made even thinner. It keeps all that from getting burnt. So, okay, you're, so you're doing that instead of putting aluminum foil, which is what- Yeah, I think aluminum foil is a total pain in the rear end and these are really cheap. So um, I can never keep aluminum foil. I mean, I my mother-in-law taught us to do the little rim, but I felt like it made this little pucker not perfect because I would accidentally hit all that right. pucker when I was trying to do right. the aluminum foil. So you just lay this on top. You can leave it on the whole time, but if you do, um, it kind of smashes your little pucker all the way around. And if you take this off with 15 minutes left to go, you'll have a better shaped little pucker at the corners. Um, but yeah, so that's the finished pie. You do also wanna wait until it's totally cool because if you cut into a warm pie, um, then all that juice just releases. And if you wait, you know, several hours until it's cold to the touch. I mean, this is still warm and it's been done like two and a half, three hours. So um, I would wait until this evening before I ever cut this pie open. But, you know, I have three boys, so pies and a husband. So pies don't last long at our house. Also pies tend to, especially like a blackberry pie, if there's any rim, um, sometimes if you get it too full, it seeps out the side. So I always put pies on a cookie sheet um, and line it with aluminum foil so I don't have any cleanup in my oven because fruit at the bottom of your oven is really not my favorite. So anyway, I think that's it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I wish we had an audience and there would be a standing ovation because honestly, I mean, seriously, I now know why my pie, pies never worked. Uh, there was a lot of steps that I didn't know were so important. Okay, so I'm going to flat out tell you right now in front of the entire audience, everybody's going to want this typed out. They want your recipe, your mother-in-law's recipe. Yeah. And uh, 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 what else did you show them? Oh, well, every, everybody knows where to get a garbage bag. So, <laughs> yes. but if you don't mind, even with the recipe, yeah. you know, make a note that, that you need a rolling pin that rolls, not too heavy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what are those covers? I've never seen that cover for a pie. I have never seen that in my entire life. Um, it's called a pie crust shield. Okay. All right. So pie crust shield, you can get it on Amazon. 
Um, and I, this one's called the Perfect Pie Crust Shield. I think Pampered Chef has made this one. This one's called Miss, Mrs. Anderson's. Doesn't really matter. Um, they need this pastry fork. And that's really it. Those are kind of the things that the, I think. The little, the little shortening thing was important. I thought that shortening thing, a pampered chef, was brilliant. Like, yeah. brilliant. I love that. Okay, so we'll give a little shout out to Pampered Chef because they yeah. really do have some great tools. All righty. Well, Chatney, there's no words to thank you. You'll be getting a great gift from me in the mail. And my audience says, thank you, thank you, thank you for teaching Linda Tupin. You're never too old to learn. And you have taught me today. And when I make my pie crust, I will send you a picture. <laughs> good, good. I want to see it. Thank you for asking me. All right. I'm going to take you off screen. We'll say goodbye to Chatney. And for everyone, thank you so much for joining us here on Common Sense Choices. Next week, you're going to meet my friend Julianne Nagel. Julianne took her food, food journey all the way to the interior of China to figure out how to cure herself of some pretty serious illnesses. You're going to learn a lot from this lady, and she does offer alternative cooking classes. So Anyway, lots on the schedule. Thank you for being part of this. Be sure to comment and share this great episode with Chatney. If you have any questions, put them in the comment section. I'm sure Chatney will come along at some point in the few days after we post and we'll answer your questions. So thank you so much for being part of our audience. And thank you, Chatney, for being part of Common Sense Choices. <laughs>